Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Thanks everybody who's been listening to all the episodes so far. It's been really great. Um, I also wanted to bring up a new project that I'm working on with um, two very good friends from college. And I've alluded to this on past episodes of the show because been taking up a lot of my time since I'm doing all the editing proper of all the episodes for that, which it what I signed up for, I believe me not being taken advantage of in any way. But um I just wanted to promote it. It the podcast going to be called The Uncanny Curves Podcast and it is about the um Uncanny X-Men comics that ran in the 70s. Um, basically, we are going through those comics and talking about them, having a great time talking about them um, every um, twice a month. So um, basically every two weeks, there'll be a little weirdness in October because October had too many weeks. But um, that's the basic gist of it. Um, at the end of this episode, I'm going to put the trailer for that so you can get a feel for it. I'm also going to put a link to subscribe to it where you'll find right now the trailer, but starting on October 1st, you'll find the first episode, and then the 15th, you'll find the second episode, and so on and so forth. But, um, we're finally getting close to the launch of it, so I just wanted to mention it here, because I'm pretty sure we're pretty proud of it, and I wanted to, you know, give a shout-out to my friend Lauren, who, if you listen to the, or if you listen to, or or go listen to the Evangelion episode, you've heard Lauren on this podcast, um... We've been great friends for many, many, many years, and she's never come to me with, like, an idea of something she really wanted to do, so I really wanted to support her and do something really fun with an old friend, so this is great and will continue to be great. Um, so definitely go check that out and look, and look forward to viewing the trailer at the end of this episode. Um... But on that note, the reason I'm doing this is really because of Lauren. I got, we're such good friends that the the boundaries have been list, lifted on, like, when we talk to each other, when we send each other text messages, what we talk about, all that shit. Because we've been friends for more than a decade at this point. But, um... Uh, she she texted me at like fucking five in the morning or some bullshit. Um, <laughs> I was not awake to receive the text, so I woke up to this massive paragraph of text about this movie Cuties. And if you aren't aware of Cuties, I completely understand why you wouldn't be. It's an obscure French film that Netflix it, it took um, put on its service. And caused a lot of controversy because they are 
the movie very clearly fine very clearly sexualizes young women and has a it's about a female dance troupe basically like expressing any sexual thought or desire in a dance routine um but the 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 controversy about the movie and got me thinking about young people and um young people being allowed to see young people being acknowledged as having like any kind of by the way if you can't tell by now um I'm going to actually put a content warning up here because this is a this is a this is a sensitive topic and um one of the things that we came to a conclusion um in one of the bonus segments of um like the before chat about that we have before the podcast on Uncanny Curves is it would have been better for this not to have involved real minor children because there is some f- section of real world exploitation there. Um, and also, I want to mention here the author of Act Age got rightfully um got rightfully excommunicated from the world and escorted to jail for abusing um high school and middle school age girls and his his manga was unceremoniously ripped from the internet. Should he have be should he have been punished in that way? Absolutely, considering the content of his manga and what he did, if you don't know anything about Act Age, it's about a teenage girl who's a like once in a generation acting talent. It's if you've ever seen Glass Mask, it's like the modern ver it's like a modern take on on that, on Glass Mask. But it's about this girl basically being a method actor because that's just the way she learned and everybody being like super worried about her because they're like this is really emotionally hard for, like, a child to do. We don't, and they're like, we don't know what the effects of, like, a child, like, throwing themselves into deep, unending pain just for work it does. Um, so I'm also saying that, like, that dude should have been punished. I'm in no way standing up for that kind of horseshit. But it occurred to me in thinking about... Um, it occurred to me in, like, the five-second response that I thought about for the, like, paragraph of text that Lauren sent me, um, that there's not a whole lot of places that teenagers, that, not the teenagers, teenagers are kind of, like, expected to be horny and allowed to be horny for I'm allowed to be pissed off and emotional and hormonal in every direction. But before you're, before you're about 15, there's not a great outlet 
there for you to like see any kind of um any kind of expression of anyone your age having any sexual thoughts and I was also watching that um quite frankly not good but like not good in a way that I might just dump into my face over the season um show called X Arrows, which is about um basically um perverse a perverse um here like Power Rangers esque hero team fighting bug aliens who feed off of um who feed off of um human desire and that sounds like an interesting premise but it just ends up kind of being boring. Um, but in that show, they, like, the first time you encounter the main character, they almost immediately do a flashback to when they were, like, super young kids. And it, you see this, like, you see this relationship start to form between the main character before, between the two main characters before it's immediately like, cut off and, like, stops cold for plot reasons in that show, a bug sh- shows up, and you believe takes her, um, you believe, you believe he takes her, all of her sexual desire away, or, like, one of the bug aliens shows up, um, and what you end up finding out is that the bug didn't take all of her desire away. The bug, like, peered into... The bug alien peered into her skull and was like, let me take this desire, yo. And then is stunned by the amount of, like, sexual thoughts and, like, desire that she has. And is like, yo, this... This tiny... This tiny girl is disgusting. <laughs> she should be ashamed. How is this possible? And, like, walks off. Basically like, thought-shaming this little girl because she had any, like, interest in the opposite sex in a romantic and physically romantic way, and, like, that is a thing that many adults would do, and I said this to, um, Larry, the other member of our podcast, actually to both Lauren and Larry, that said, like, what's the real difference between, let's say, a se- a 17-year-old a and an 18-year-old? There is not. But the reason, but the arbitrary law-based difference, and believe me, I'm not saying I'm going to, like, go out and date a 17-year-old. That's insane. I, I'm 30 that person's 17, the huge fucking age gap there. But if I was 65 and I started dating a 18-year-old, people would be fucking fine with it. Well, let me put it this way. People wouldn't be fine with it. Like, it, like people would look at us funny, but people would also not stop it. And the fact that, that like, those age gaps can exist after 18, but because of law reasons, they 
don't exist or they shouldn't exist before 17 is a norm that has had ramifications in other ways. And what I mean by that is it it turns the, like, space of being a pre-18 teenager, which, into this, like, space where you're consuming a lot of deeply sexualized media messaging and everything you're watching, everything you're seeing, everything you're listening to. I mean, the song WAP now exists, Wet Ass Pussy, and it does... And that's all about, like, a woman seeing herself in an explicitly sexual light. And if you've been on TikTok ever, you see, like, just as a course of using TikTok, you see Minor making some sort of sexualized... You see Minor and you see young people, but also Minor making men and women, I want to be clear, making sexual objects out of themselves. And it, it makes... It makes sense if you look at the other forms of media that exist, you know. All a kid has to do is see enough Carl Jr.'s ads in the Super Bowl when their parents are watching. You know, covers of magazines. Um, all kinds of stuff exists out there that ask, not necessarily directly kids, not necessarily directly preteens, but ask humans to consider themselves sexually. And it's like kids are walking around in that soup along with the rest of humanity. So, they, of course, they'll have feelings about this. Of course, they'll, like, develop some sort of thoughts about, like, the, their own, like, their own physical attractiveness and physical, like, physical romantic existence, and they'll have questions. Um, And it... It not so much occurred to me, but it reoccurred to me that, like... Like I said earlier, if you're... If you're below, basically, 16... It is, um, if you're below 16, even as a young girl, it is considered, like, treasonous, basically, for, for, like, an adult to consider that you might have some thoughts about sex. You might have some, like, unclean thoughts. And... Part of the reason why um, particularly good school systems teach um, sex ed starting in like fourth grade or something is because reality and dreams, like reality and what 
adults wish reality was are always are oftentimes two very different things. So, um believe me, I'm no super fan of the Kardashians, but there's a really interesting thing that um Chris Jenner and later um that first um Chloe Kardashian said and then Chris Jenner was like, Yeah, that happened. I'm I'm proud of myself for being a good mom because I did what I should have done instead of what, like, my my impulse because I was raised in a society to do was. And they, Chloe Jenner tells this story about being, like, 15 and having a boyfriend that she was really in love with and she wanted to lose her virginity to that boyfriend. And so instead of, like, just going out and doing it, she went to her mom, and she was like, talks through it with her mom, and her mom, instead of being like, no, you know, you you seem young for that, was like, if I tell you that, you'll just go out and have unsafe sex, and do that, and do that, and potentially put yourself in, dan- in danger of, like, all kinds of nonsense, but no, she like, said to her daughter, like, look, if you're going to do this, you should understand these things, all this other stuff. Um, I'll help you get, you know, contraceptives, all this stuff. So if you're going, it was very like, you, well, like, if you're going to smoke pot, at least do it in the house kind of thing. And that struck people as scandalous and shocking. And another reason the Kardashians are like, a moral fucking black hole to a lot of people. But to me, like, I, it struck me as being responsible. It struck me as uh, being the same reason that many, that, like, I got sex ed in fourth grade, started starting in fourth grade. It struck me as acknowledging what was actually what was actually potentially happening and like making that the best it could be instead of just saying like no 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 my daughter isn't going to have sex she isn't going to think about boys she isn't going to go out on like unclean creepy dates before she's let's say 17 and I'll deal with it when she's 17 once she's 18 she's legal it's fine She's legally allowed to do that. And when I was thinking about the forms of media that acknowledge young people's agency, because I'm no longer in this particular category of young people. I'm not I'm not a dust person, as I always say on this podcast, but I'm not I'm no spring chicken anymore. Um, one of the few places that acknowledges that young people have these feelings and creates a outlet with it where those feelings are expressed by people in their age range is anime. And I know a lot of that is because a lot of, because, because of a lot of cultural stuff in Japan, but nonetheless, like, 
high school DXD. Those those are just teenagers. <laughs> and they're not particularly of age teenagers either. Um, much of the characters in um in like rom com in like rom com etchy anime are teenagers. Sometimes they're like fourteen, fifteen. And whereas I think the big problem with the creation of something like cuties, which is why I opened this episode up with, is you're involving real people, meaning there's a level of exploitation happening there to or potential exploitation to minors happening there that's like not okay and you can't untangle from like a director taking advantage of an actual teenager who probably has those thoughts but doesn't doesn't have the life experience to contextualize them and deal with them um but the, the like if you make an the thing about um animation and, and about drawn animation and art in particular is you can divorce actual people from it. It is for it. It is a tool for expression that does not need to, like, involve people. That doesn't mean that it can't be affecting. That doesn't mean that it can't be moving. It doesn't mean it can't be disturbing. Um, Akira is coming out and selecting. I mean, I'm not going to see this movie because fuck going to movie theaters right now. Um, Akira is coming out in select theaters in 4K, um, I think pretty soon, but it's, that is a deeply, deeply disturbing movie that, like, has, like, all kinds of, like, messed up stuff in it, but it, such in a way that it can exist, without endangering, like, particularly the actor that plays Kaneda, um, or, or the actor that plays, um, Tetsuo, really, um, because it is animated. And if you've ever seen that movie, you'd in no way call it less affecting. So, when you have these, so... I know that not everybody's cup of tea is something like High School DxD or High School of the Dead. Although, honestly, High School of the Dead is, like, kind of masterful in what it does. Um, But I can talk about that later on a Thursday show, if I haven't already. But I... I think it's important that we give space to to younger people to show them something that acknowledges that they have these feelings because that will help them work them out. That will help them explore in like a safe way. If you look at um, get gay and lesbian and transgender people 
especially teenagers, there's been like a exception carved out specifically for gay teen for gay young people about porn. And part of that is because there are people who produce socially responsible porn and socially responsible queer porn. And it's a way for queer people to experience a a version of what it means for them to be physical with a partner that has no like none of the ugly things that necessarily exist in a in like the entertainment environment that get like dumped into gay relationships like that until fairly recently but also don't like super highlight it like for example if you watch glee glee is obviously a um celebration of like all kinds of relationships of diversity all this stuff but to just like raw raw diversity quality that makes it less um that makes it less true that makes it less Not less true, necessarily, but less, um, affecting and less, um, can, can make people, uh, can make people who are different less seen because they're being overly celebrated because necessarily that's the way you get normal people to start seeing you. And I will tell you my favorite episode of Glee is the one where at the end they put together all this money all this money to borrow a pair of um um like robotic legs for Artie and Artie gets to stand up kind of for the first time ever out of his wheelchair and like walk a couple steps and like that made that made me as a disabled person just immediately fucking cry. <laughs> but so this exception has been made for like teenagers who clearly out and queer or queer or queer and explore trying to explore the world because it's a safe way for them to experience like, queer love, what queer love looks like physically, and, like, know what this is, what it's doing. But, if you, but also straight, straight teenagers have no outlet for this, and believe me, I remember from what, I remember from what I was a teenager, teenagers are finding porn. (laughs) So if if teenagers could have more access to something like I'm not saying something like high school DXD or high school of the dead or one of the like very fetishistic weird gaggy shows um where you know underage kids are like 
super horny all the time. I'm not necessarily saying that, although that's also, there's a place for that and that's also good. What I'm saying is something like Carcano. The reason why I say something like Carcano is because Carcano, on top of being a phenomenal show for many reasons, is a show about a completely healthy, involves a completely healthy course of a romantic relationship between two minor characters where they do everything right <laughs> in the portrayal of that show. They show them... And don't get me wrong, it's, it's a fun show, and when you're watching it, it doesn't ne- it's not necessarily signposting for you like, we are doing this correctly, we are being very stable about this, and it's hilarious because from Studio Gynax, the people who bought you fucked up Evangelion, so whatever... Um, but it's a show, and it's from Gynax, from when they were in a husk of a shell company nightmare. Um, this show shows the kind of romantic life cycle of this high school couple. And there's a specific episode, kind of midway in the series, I don't know where it falls in the manga, which is significantly longer where the relationship gets physical like the, like um the 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 female the female protagonist who for much for much for the purposes of the show is is the I don't know what it's like in the manga but I imagine this is true in the manga the female protagonist female character female half of this couple is the protagonist and they show, they don't show their first night together, but they, they, they do what Mad Men does really well, in that Matthew Weiner said, fucking the thing I'm saying on the internet on a podcast, Matthew Weiner said, the thing that's the most interesting about the sex scenes in Mad Men is that you never see the actual sex. You see the beginning, and you see the aftermath. And narratively, what's important about sex is what it me is what it causes, the um. The part the viewer to infer. Um, story wise in the storyline and between. And what that does to change the actual, like, day-to-day relationship of those characters. Um, And of other characters around them, in the case of Mad Men. But, and that's really what Kerkano does with, um, the, I forget the two main character names, I can't believe that. I have the, it's the first box that I ever bought, it's up in my perch, but... That show, by having an episode where it's very clear that the characters sleep together, they're not going to show it to you because that's not what they're interested in. They're interested in the... They're interested in the relationship aspect of the first time young people are in a relationship and they experience the thing of sleeping together, the thing of... I believe in their case, jointly losing their virginity, the thing of bumbling around 
and having and having a sexual spirit having a sexual experience with each other and this is done much more clumsily and to much more like like captivating grossness in domestic girlfriend but it's it is a it is this acknowledgement that like you know teenagers have these feelings and teenagers certainly under under the age of 18 have these feelings and it it should be represented in media because it it should be represented in media for both sides of the equation for all sides of the octagon so to speak um because media is a way that people can help themselves process the world it's one of the reasons why after 9/11 um there were movies like incredibly like incredibly fast and incredibly close or incredibly loud and incredibly close there were movies that were working through culturally doing the work of culturally working through America's shared tragedy or Amer- I think America's shared tragedy but it's very much like it's a date every American remembers but the date that like the tri-state area deeply in a fucked up like the little thing in my head that shivers every time I go to ground zero or go to the memorial because I'm like this this is not safe I, I am in danger fuck and there's a whole, but there's a whole rung of media that exists that is in some way dealing with the emotional fallout and emotional baggage that now involves the event that is 9-11. And there should be, there should be more media that acknowledges in, in the way, in the, in the real way that Caracano does that acknowledges, like, no, kids have these thoughts, and kids are having these thoughts directly towards other people in their life. Uh, it, it, it should be dealt with, it should be acknowledged, and something, there should be something there for those kids to process that, because what happens generally in these cases, and it ha- it's happened with anime, it's happened... It's happened when adults see anime. It's happened when all of this stuff happens. Is you create a void there, and who knows what these kids, what kids are thinking? Who knows what kids are doing? Who knows what 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 exposure they're getting? And what ends up like that? Because this is a fun thing that always gets tossed around when people talk about porn and the harm and the harm in porn is that like kids are seeing this and it's informing their sexual lives and no one ever makes the leap of well then what are we going to show them instead where are you know teenagers and preteens 
supposed to go for depictions of, you know, sex and healthy relationships and and unhealthy relationships and like being okay with their bodies and being okay with having the thought of like ooh nice tits or you know that guy's hot did not a super great place for that and like so so at least the existence of something like high school of the dead or high school DxD or um super x super x arrows um which to be clear is bad is a at least of way for them to see like at least a way for them to see that stuff where no one where no one is being exploited where it's it 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 can be a safe space where they can wash that stuff, they can consume that stuff. And bottom line is that it will be some sort of expression of something and it's a is in the is the best case scenario, um, for them to watch something like um like um what's it called? Like um Kerkano or his and her circumstances? Probably yes. I'm not gonna say um they should watch something like that, um, really really popular I forget what it's called, um, romance anime about the little girl and the big dude in high school. Because that's just like it feels largely it feels so glamorized and played up for such effect that you don't get, like, you don't get this, you don't get this feeling of, it it feels like a first relationship that is progressing, but they dodge, um, they dodge a lot of the tough questions. A great show for this is Oh Maidens in Our Savage Season. <laughs> like, if girls are, if, like, if you know a female young person who is in the throes of it, who is, like, having just, like, the fucking, t- a fucking time, give them Oh Maidens in Our Savage Seasons is about... Young female characters realizing that the world has a sexual aspect and they can't escape it, and what that does to your brain, and how terrified you become at first, and how like resistant to it you can be, and then like accepting it and contextualizing it and moving through the world along with everybody else, as they also do all those same fucking things. <laughs> episode episode one in that show, the, one of the main characters walks in on a side character, a boy just jerking it. <laughs> and it's like her, her world explodes. And she doesn't know what the fuck to do. And 
it, one of the reasons why that show is still praised and why I immediately just launched into praise of it is because it acknowledges that that happens. That that part of life is true. And the fact that that, it, that, that is not the sole reason that show is so good, but the fact that that show is so lauded for that reason should give us all pause. Because in order to acknowledge any group of people, you have to acknowledge them fully in all that they are. You know, in order to acknowledge... One one of the best parts, and this is where I'll leave it because it's 40 minutes into this episode, one of the best parts of this, that um, Netflix documentary, Crip Camp, which is all about this um, camp in the 70s that became this, like, place for people, for young people with serious disabilities to, like, exist is there's a section of it where they talk about, you know, these young people with disabilities having sexual experiences at summer camp in the 70s with each other. And it's just, like... It's this amazing part of this thing because it's the first time as a disabled person, seriously, where... It, it was acknowledged that disabled people have those have those feelings and those thoughts without any um buts um like that that I've seen at least and as a disabled person without any like um building up of any story reasons or any of this other shit or any like without any modifiers on it and it's just that's important for me to see because I get to see that and be like holy shit the the, the time at cancer camp when we had female mud wrestling was fine with normal But what's more important is that other people get to see it. Is that, like, not just me, the disabled person, will see it, but all the disabled people that go watch Crip Camp, which if you haven't watched Crip Camp, as any kind of person, go watch it, get to see it. And, you know, I wish I had more to give as recommendations for young people who have these thoughts and have these feelings just swirling around them constantly than Oh Maidens are on a Savage Season or Caracano or an episode of Caracano. Really the whole of Caracano, but an episode of Caracano for what it's worth. Because that's something that they should have. They should have a way to contextualize the feeling. Because uncontextualized, they have, especially early on in life, before society as a whole allowed, says you should have access to the deed, those feelings should be contextualized and it should be, it should be, people should be aware, like, 
those people, sh- people who have these thoughts should be acknowledged and allowed to ex- experience them safely and they sh- it shouldn't be no just bottle up this, these urges until you're of age and then it's fine be a freak all you want girl be a freak all you want kid I, it, it's and also and this is the last thing I'll say here it's a really important thing about the um about the controversy around cutie, which is also a controversy around that happens all the time on the internet, particularly Twitter, around quite frankly super fetishy anime that fetishize young young women young women and young men, but especially young women. Is it the same people who do that? If you give them a reason, if you put the the label of this girl is is eighteen on it, are fine, are fine with it, and that's that's not okay. What adults should be made to cope with the fact that we have and continue to perpetuate a universe in which. We are pumping sexual messages out into the world, and we are ignoring what it is doing to to for or every and everything in between people who are like not not allowed but looked down upon for acting on the sexual desires that adults just like not acknowledge. That promote all the time you know that's why something like oh maybe there are savage season needs it is good to exist because it acknowledges the like it acknowledges the weird in between ground that kids are living in and it, at least it and not only does it acknowledge it, but it attempts to like contextualize it. And I just want to talk about this because I think it's, I don't think it's a necessarily unique thing to animate only, but I think it's a, it's a thing that anime does that a lot of media doesn't do, especially in America, because there's no. What, once you start thinking about that, many people's first reaction is to reel away from it, from the thought of making it. I'm not saying that Cuties is ideally made. Ideally, it would be like a book or a graphic novel or something that doesn't require the like use of underage actors and particularly underage girls in a way that could be exploitative. But the fact that it exists could provide some sort of contextualization for young women. And that's that's not bad. So on this note, I've been Alex, and you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. 
If you like this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast in wherever you're listening to me right now and give it five stars. That really helps the show. A five-star review, rather. And share it with your friends, because I do this twice a week. <laughs> and I don't, contrary to popular belief, I do not talk to hear myself talk. I talk for the benefit of the listener, because I've been watching anime for a long time, and... I have a degree of I have a degree of media literacy that is unusually high because I've spent decades at this point pumping anime into my skull. Um, but on that note, here is where I'm going to put that trailer I mentioned at the top of the episode, the trailer of the podcast that me, my friends Lauren and Larry, are. All three of us doing twice a month about the Uncanny X-Men that came out in the 70s. Um, on that note, here is the trailer for the Uncanny Curve podcast. The year is 1975. Jaws is playing in theaters. The Betamax VHS war is raging. And Marvel's X-Men just got a new writer. You pick up issue number 94 of X-Men and a new era of comics begins. The Uncanny Curves podcast is all about what is now known as the Uncanny X-Men. We'll take you through the various storylines and characters as we try to understand what exactly is going through these creators' heads. Our first season goes through the 70s and we'll ask questions like, Why is there an obelisk of demons in Xavier's backyard? Where did those leprechauns come from? Why is Misty the only one with a gun? And are we not going to talk about how Xavier told Storm to get back in her place? We may not have all the answers, but we'll sure have fun trying to figure it out. Episodes come out every two weeks. Find it wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.